0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover the power within Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Welcome, everybody. I'm so glad you could join me for the show today. We're going to try to move forward in the midst of chaos here happening in the states. I mean, it's it's crazy. You know, I don't not don't know whether to laugh or cry. I mean, trying to do my first live show of 2021. And there's chaos ensuing at the Capitol here in the States. And, uh, you know, I don't know where you're listening from. I know most people do tune in from the States, but sometimes we have people that are checking in from places all over the world, the worldwide Internet. So you never know who's going to be listening. And just let me tell you, we're uh, we're all a little scared, you know, but we're going to get through this. And hopefully everybody had a decent new year. I mean, this is my first new show of the year so I might be a little bit rusty I don't know I tried to kind of lay low over the holidays I mean it was pretty much of a bummer quite honestly for most of the holiday you know I didn't get to visit my family like I normally do um, it was just kind of my husband and I just hunkered down you know here not really doing anything uh, due to COVID and you know just trying to make the best of it and you know I'm definitely looking forward to the new year looking forward to You know, hopefully things evening out in 2021, you know, maybe getting a little bit back to normal. And, you know, so I'm I'm really, I'm happy to have my guest today. I'm really, I'm really glad to welcome her because I like to hear new voices. You know, I want to hear some new voices of positivity. Where are the new teachers? You know, where where are people when we need them? We need people like my guest today. So I'm really happy that she can join me. You know, sometimes people come across my desk and I just have to take note. I mean, I've spoken to a lot of really interesting people over the years, a lot of great teachers and speakers during my Hay House days. You know, when I was I was always thinking, like, where is the next teacher? Where are the next Louise Hay? And Miriam Williamson and Dr. Wayne Dyer and Deepak, and you know, all of these people that influenced me over the years. And I think that you know, you have to move forward and let some new voices in and let some new people come and shine their light, you know. And we need these people now more than ever. And I came across a new teacher, and she's based in Toronto, Canada. Her name is Naranja Noda. And she doesn't have a book or a really huge platform or anything like that. But when I spoke to her on the phone, I really got a great feeling of authenticity from her. And I just felt that she had a really, a really true message. You know, I think she really wants to help people and she's very authentic. And I wanted to give her a chance to talk to you, the listeners out there, and share some of her ideas. So you can You can find out more about her on the web, and her site is brightshininglight.com, and she also does a podcast called Master of Your Craft. It's available on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Definitely look her up because I think that we need to have some new voices join the conversation and help us as we move forward into 2021. I can't even believe I'm saying 2021. That just kind of freaks me out a little bit. You know, where's my flying car? I mean, things, things just haven't worked out like I thought they would. But I want to welcome her to the show. Naranjan, are you there? Thanks for joining me today.
1: I am, Diane, and thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate an, an opportunity of being your first guest.
0: I know you're the you're the first one. You're my first guest of 2021. My first live show kind of back in the saddle for the new year. And we're we're trying to do this as our democracy might be crumbling around us. I don't know what's I'm I'm trying not to watch the news right now. So (laughs) I'm really I, I really want to talk about something, you know, a little bit more positive kind of get our get our heads in a better space rather than concentrate on, on, you know, everything that's happening right now. But, I mean, I have to mention it because it's really difficult to ignore what's going on. And I'm just kind of interested in in your view of being in Toronto. I mean, have you heard anything of what's been happening today where you are? Um, my
1: circle and I guess maybe my network is a little more quietant, I guess. I'm not really as involved in the the media, the news, and so forth, because I truly believe, yes, with what the world brings and the external element of who we are in life, it's
0: the inner world that truly matters. Right. No, that's a very good, that's a good stance to take, and especially today. And I'm hoping that we can talk a little bit about excavating our inner world and you know, touching that space and, and maybe, you know, touching the divine within, which is something that unity uh, talks about a lot. Um, you know, it's it's been kind of a struggle for me just personally, you know, over the past couple of years, like sometimes I feel that I'm losing touch with that that space and so I'm I'm really glad that you could come on today so we could talk a little bit about that. So I wanted to ask you first of all you know tell me a little bit about you and your life and how you came to be interested in doing this work. So you grew up in the UK is that right and then moved to Canada? I did yes I was born and raised in
1: England and I came to Canada probably about 20 years ago as an adult. So all my schooling and education and a lot of my community was based in Britain. And doing what I'm doing now, I think often many of us really truly have a deeper sense and a knowing where their heart is taking them or driving them or even having certain skills or attributes that are just so innate that we forget that that's what we're truly here to do. And from my perspective, that the spiritual intuitive world became very much that for me. It was something, it was just that was on the sidelines and delved into it, just that curiosity, reading books, podcasts, reading, um, watching all the people on the Hay House show and other similar platforms too. But then it, grew further and deeper for me to I guess really look for much a deeper meaning in life on how I can contribute and be of service to others based on what I have experienced in my own life so it's been a journey and a half so to speak
0: right you know and the journey continues and sometimes morphs and changes along the way which i I think is so interesting so i'm curious you know growing up i mean were your parents or your family supportive of you pursuing you know a, a spiritual path or you know what what was your your you know growing up situation as far as that like were you brought up in a certain religious tradition or did you did you discover your own beliefs later down the road? Um,
1: been born and raised in an East Indian family. So religion was the core essence of who I am and who I would move forward with. In a Sikh religion faith, tearing onto Hinduism, certain um, events or activities, festivities we would get engaged with. So that really molded the structure in how I would think, in a in somewhat of a limiting way, um, but in the same token, it still served me in who I am today. So growing that and really expanding and looking outside the boundaries of the religion itself and challenging that by looking at other um, religions, be it the Buddhist religion, be it Christianity or the muslim faith really looking at what are all these areas that help us navigate through life and then my curiosity just unraveled further from that to learn more about other elements of faith and how from one perspective they all bring
0: you back to self right so so there so as you explored other you know, spiritual traditions, or maybe, you know, looked at or studied some other faith traditions, did you discover that there's more similarities than differences? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's to a certain degree, maybe the indoctrination
1: in each of the religions that creates a separation, um, that makes us feel that we're really not the same wherever we truly are.
0: Right, you know, I I don't know a whole lot about you know Sikhism or or Sikh beliefs, and I I went to an uh, event a few years back called the Parliament of World Religions, and there were, uh, I think like 200 different faith traditions at this big conference. It was like a week long thing, and I interviewed uh, a guy who was the I think head of the the Sikh organization in Canada, and. From what he told me, it just seemed very open, welcoming in a lot of ways. He said anybody could become a uh, Sikh if they wanted to, and about a lot of the persecution that people experienced you know throughout throughout history um yeah. with the Sikh religion, so it was just it was just really interesting, and they seemed like a very loving accepting tradition. Is yeah. is that right? I mean, is it pretty open? like?
1: Absolutely. And I'm not um, dismissing the way I was raised or any of the religions um, out there. It was very much a, a loving and very open and receptive space where you can come in and just be who you are and learn and feel the compassion and love and generosity of, of the faith. Absolutely. One of the things that I learned, be it not only from the Sikh faith, but even the other religions as well, is it's often the cultural boundaries and their belief systems that are imposed on top of the religion itself that often create the limitations and then perhaps maybe even skew the ultimate messaging that the religion has to offer.
0: Right. That's interesting. I mean, do you think that growing up um, with those beliefs and traditions gave you a really solid base from which to explore other avenues, you know, which to explore other faith traditions and and other religions? Because I feel kind of a similar situation where, you know, I was brought up in a Catholic household and, you know, I went through all of the uh, different, I call them rituals. You know, the confirmation and communion and things like that. And and as I got older, I felt like that was kind of a good base to jump off from, I guess, and kind of explore some other things. So I was, yeah. I guess, what I'm saying is, like, I was grateful to have that that training and and knowledge and and background. I just wondered if you felt a similar thing growing up in the Sikh tradition.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It definitely showed me a larger community. It showed me the elements of compassion and the sincerity in which they serve people unconditionally through the practice of the Sikh faith. Um, absolutely. Um, the curiosity of myself just delving into other religions and looking at how, how one really relates to the message itself. Or are we relating to, like I said earlier, the the cultural aspects that are ingrained in that. But, yeah, the, the core essence of the religion and the faith itself, coupled with the way I was raised, is definitely the foundation of, of who I am, I I believe, for sure.
0: Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So um, I wanted to ask, too, on your website, it, you have on the title, you know, as you yourself as a spiritual intuitive and a life coach as well and so growing up were were things like intuition or you know tapping into that side of yourself was that encouraged uh, as a child
1: with an east indian family as an immigrant my parents immigrated from india to africa they lived there for a short while and then from africa they moved to britain and I think as immigrant families there is often a great desire and drive for their children to excel in the Western world. Um, so the well, I wanna say the traditional forms of not being a blue collar worker, but working where you're using your mind a little bit more rather than your manpower, so to speak. So those elements and those cultures and traditions and aspects of us were more favorable. So getting a corporate job or, you know, being a teacher or those titles, if you will, were more desired. So in the essence of learning spirituality or being more in tune with oneself wasn't dismissed, but it wasn't as affluently encouraged as it would be maybe in today's society where i feel that children maybe
0: are a little bit more in tune with their own spirit right i could see that i mean i think collectively we're becoming a lot more accepting of of those kinds of those kinds of things and attitudes so yeah i think it's getting a, a little bit better but i could see where the the name you know, intuitive or or talking about those kind of things, like are you able do you feel um I don't want to say like being able to uh, read people in a certain way? like how would you how would you describe a spiritual intuitive? what what is your definition?
1: I guess my definition of that is feeling where the individual is, or where people is or where. Consciousness is sitting right now. Even as a collective, what does that feel like? Where are we? Where are we going with that? Versus an, an individual who's troubled with an emotion that's plaguing them and influencing their life. So tapping into their um, soul, if you will, and then having a sense of knowing and. Um, Intuit where their emotional space is and where their spiritual space is and then guiding them through that process. So I use the word spirituality because it is very much, I look at very much the other side of the world in science and and spirituality. Um, But I also use the intuitive piece because that's the core of who we all are. Some of us have developed it more than others, but for me, that's a very strong component of how I
0: work with individuals. Right, that's interesting, and I agree with you. I think some, I think we all have that piece, and yeah. some people have developed it much more than others. I mean, growing up, did you feel, as a youngster, were you a little bit different from some of the other kids in that you had these interests in, you know, religion and spirituality and maybe felt a a little more sensitive than others? Did you feel that a little bit growing up? I think growing up it was
1: more about curiosity, having the curious questions of my dad died when I was young. So asking my mother Later on, where did he go? So yes, he's physically not here, but surely there's more. So asking those really probing, heartfelt kind of questions to a woman who just lost her, her husband and, and father to, to many children, but it, it created a sense of curiosity for me to dig deeper. Was I the average kid in asking these kind of questions? Absolutely not. Um, be an old soul coming into fruition here that's what I've often been referred to as and I, I relate to that too
0: Yes, I do too and that I think that's where I when I spoke with you and I, I felt that because I've been called that as well. And I've always felt like, yeah. <laughs> I've always felt like an yeah. old soul. Although now that I'm getting older, you know, I don't know, but I, <laughs> I was that kind of uh person as well. Growing up, I was always interested in, you know, the, the afterlife or the other side, or if that existed and where did people go? And, you know, is there such a thing as hell and, and all of those things? And I, and I questioned those things, uh, a lot of times when I was in, you know, you had to go to Sunday school and things like that. And I would ask those questions like, is Mary Jesus's girlfriend or, you know, <laughs> what's that about? Right. And sometimes it was frowned upon. Sometimes people would, would answer what they thought was the correct answer. But I always did have those those kinds of questions. So the, that interest, though, kind of evolved into wanting to be in service. Is that important to you to... To want to be in service and, and to help people? Absolutely. I think it's the
1: foundational core of who I am. I've worked in the corporate sector, working for businesses, organizations and different types of organizations to for profit to not for profit and been of service in that perspective. But somehow, somewhere, it didn't seem to fill the void that I was that was yearning in the core of my being. So when I stepped into the role of spiritual intuitive and supporting people on their own emotional journey, then it became more fulfilling for me. Um, So be it a a selfish act that I'm supporting others because I'm gaining the fulfillment, but also recognizing that we all have wisdom, skills, talents, are here to do something very unique. And I truly feel the gifts that I have are here to present a unique offering to individuals that are seeking.
0: Well, that's definitely needed for sure. I, I think a lot of people are just confused or they feel that I've I've talked to to friends and And other people where they'll say, oh, I don't have any talents. You know, I don't I don't know what to do. And a lot of times people just get stuck and paralyzed in that situation because they feel, well, if I don't have this amazing musical skill or a singer or I'm a fabulous writer or something like that, then you don't have any, quote, talent. But talent can be many things like a talent for organization or, you know, a talent to hang pictures on the wall. You know, (laughs) I mean, they they can be many different ways that it can express itself. And so to have someone like you to help people usher that, you know, to the forefront, I think is really important. I mean, is that what you enjoy doing when you're working with clients is really helping them to bring that to the forefront, what their true talents really are?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's allowing them to see it for themselves by clearing the clutter, so to speak of, the drama of life, the life that we live, and that the life that gives us these lessons, so we can really step into our own spiritual soul itself. I often use an analogy where individuals, well, as we as we burst, we have a backpack, and the backpack itself is our life journey. And as we have these experiences, we collect the what of pain or a hurtful relationship or um, words that somebody had said, and we collect those and we put them in our back. And as we continue through life, those rocks become heavier and much more burdensome. And while we're on this journey, we are unable to then truly tap into our soul, our spiritual aspects of who we are, Because we're weighed down by all the drama, all the experiences and all the weight that we're carrying in our backpacks. So what I support individuals on is clearing the rocks from the backpack. Because more, the more you can clear and in your backpack, the more physically, emotionally and mentally and maybe even spiritually, You can connect and feel lighter
0: so you can truly align with what you're truly here to do. And you say that you help to release that holistic and and what what do you mean by that? So it's, it's a journey of looking at how
1: that emotional experience really challenged them as individuals be it anxiety, uh, depression or sadness or fear. There's many people in right now with the unknown. And then I travel back to when did that occur previously? Because as we know, lessons will continue to repeat. Scenarios, engagements and experiences will continue to repeat until it stops us in our tracks where we can't move forward. So I help them unravel that and really tap in into their heart-centered space because I feel perhaps the world that we have right now is really engaging us to look more from a headspace rather than a heart
0: space. And do you use any techniques like hypnotism or you know, anything like that? Do you use any certain techniques to help people to excavate some of those, you know, traumas or experiences? Because you're right, like, we tend to just repeat things over and over again. And a lot of it is something that we're holding on to subconsciously that we've learned or observed as children, like, oh, this is how I'm supposed to behave in a relationship, or this is how I'm supposed to respond to confrontation or something like that. And we just we parrot or repeat those things that we've seen and, and learned, you know, oftentimes as young children, and sometimes we don't even remember where it came from. So how do you get to that space? I do it with full awareness. So I,
1: I encourage my clients to sit in the space, not to relive the trauma, but have a sense of awareness of the emotion, because I feel often, be it hypnosis or tapping out, whatever technique that, that are out there and there's so many of them it can lean on you exiting your spirit leaving your body um, but I guess from my objective or my intention is to have those in unison have it be truly present and have individuals truly engage in the heart because it's the heart space what heal from a co-foundational level of who we are. So being observant, being aware and truly
0: feeling the emotion. Right. We're going to talk a little bit more about some of your techniques and your work. I'm talking with Naranja Nota and she's a spiritual intuitive and life coach based in Toronto. We're going to take a short break And we'll be right back. I'm Diane Ray. Thanks for joining me today on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Practical Spirituality. Positive Messages. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, the Diane Ray Show. Thanks for joining me after the break. I'm having a great conversation here with Naranja Noda, and she's a spiritual, intuitive, and life coach based out of Toronto, Canada, and you can find her online on her website at brightshininglight.com, and she also does a podcast that we're going to talk about in a little bit called Master of Your Craft, and that's available on Apple, Spotify, wherever else you might get your podcasts, and we were talking a bit um, earlier about you know, the definition of spiritual intuitive and sometimes what that connotation might mean to some people is that by the word intuitive, meaning that someone has the ability to be able to tell you something that's going to happen in the future or has some, you know, deeper power that you don't have, you know, that we as individuals don't have. But like Naranja and I were talking in the previous segment, I believe everybody has that ability. Some people just a a better capability than others. And Naranjan's work really is getting to the core of helping the individual get into the intuitive space of their own where the answers really lie. You know, you really know the truth. You know the answers. Sometimes you need help to excavate that. And that's what Naranjan does. Does that make sense, (laughs) Naranjan?
1: Did I explain that for you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because I I don't want people to, yeah, I don't want people to get in touch with you and say, oh, I think, you know, you're an intuitive, give me some kind of reading or something like that. You're really helping people to access that intuitive space themselves. Absolutely. Life takes over. We forget
1: that we have that in us. And the hurt, the pain that experiences offer often block that, which is why we end up leaning on others to support us. But for me, my journey is to connect you with your own energy, your own power, your own strength and courage that resides within you. So I support them by connecting with their soul, with their higher self, who then guides me of how the individual can best work on uncovering some of those blocks and challenges that are showing up and
0: be able to tap into that space. Right. Because sometimes it's just buried unconsciously where you're not even aware of you might have beliefs and things that are just ingrained that you're not aware of. And then sometimes you need help to bring that to the surface so that you can let go of it. And to, so would you say you prefer working with women or men or you you don't mind? You like either I
1: really don't mind. I've worked with both. Um Been a woman myself, I think some of the experiences are perhaps maybe more relatable to individuals. But in the same token, I've had men who have been challenged with certain aspects of their life, and can give them a different vantage point of what that challenge is showing up for them. So.
0: Right. So either one. So men or women, if you'd like to get in touch with Naranja and and work with her, she would love to help you. So what do you think of all the people that you've worked with so far in your career? Could you say that what is the biggest thing that you think is holding people back from really achieving their goals and really coming into their greatness and and what their hearts desire that they really want to do?
1: There's so many ways I could answer that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel ultimately it's about self-acceptance and self-love. of Truly feeling that they are worthy of something on someone. Whether that's trickle down and mask with an element of guilt or people-pleasing or imposter syndrome or whatever those big emotional challenges are that have become part of the language in mental health, it's ultimately down to do I love myself enough and do I feel that I'm worthy enough to to have this
0: and to be right, here that's and present
1: what I'm presenting.
0: So most people you feel they deep down would think that they're not smart enough or not worthy of really achieving what they want to achieve. There's that, that fear, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Or they can do it from the external because I think many of us, or maybe we just talk from a young age of how to put on a brave face and go out there and just do what you need to do. But it's the internal dialogue that has a whole nother conversation that almost eats you inside because you feel like it's not tr- your true authentic self, but on the external parameter, it feels very real because you're passing all the grades, you're getting the accolades, and you're moving up in the ladder of what your version of love and acceptance really is, but the internal dialogue in that quiet space when you sit by yourself, that dialogue is what truly matters. And that's what people are afraid right. of.
0: Right, or maybe they're moving up the ladder and, and having these successes for other people or for other people's approval, not their own. So really, they're kind of dying a little bit inside because they're not really honoring what their truth is, but they're doing it for social pressures or their family or or things like that. And that can cause a real conflict, I'm sure. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And then when you add an additional layer onto that of it being not feeling worthy because of an experience that they have had, a relationship or, you know, a childhood memory as cliche as that may sound. But They are real and they will come up and show us later on in life when the pain is still very, very raw.
0: Right. Those things can really come back and and rear their heads. I mean, I have to ask you kind of bringing it to the present or the past year, because just what we've all been through is so unbelievable, you know, globally dealing with what's been going on with this pandemic. And I'm sure you've been experiencing it as well. And when you've been working with people, I mean, how do you advise people like say, you know, you want to start something new and you want to try a a new job or or something like that? Like you want to make changes in your life, but dealing with what we're we're going through over the past year and then, you know, maybe well into the next year, you know, the, at the rate things are going, at least here in the States, you know, this thing's going to rage for months on end. I mean, how do yeah. you talk to people about that where we have all this fear and this uncertainty? You know, we don't know what's going on with this virus. You know, some person has it and they're on a respirator. The other person's like, oh, I'm not going to wear a mask, you know. Uh, yeah. or they had it and they didn't have as horrible an experience. You know, I'm seeing all of that, you know, with people. And then you, you take that fear and then dump it on top of, well, I want to try something new, <laughs> you know? Like some it's it's just been tough. I mean, how have you been coping with with that in your in your practice this year? You know, working with people. What are you telling people? Um
1: really advising them to find a center, to find a place where they can be be themselves and just be. So in, in situations like this, often the pendulum can swing far left and far right and just take us out of balance. So finding something that will create that balance for you in your life, be it cooking a really good meal. Um, I really like using the analogy of, being out in nature because the elements of nature in itself can soothe you on many, le- on many levels, mentally, physically, spiritually and emotionally. So taking time out to be with yourself. And I think the pandemic itself has, has offered that to no end, right? For you to, 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 to be alone. Right, and you've had to be comfortable with that. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: And And then finding something that will
1: bring you joy out of it.
0: Right, right. I mean, I've been definitely, one way I've been coping is, you know, the only thing to do here in California is really take a walk. You know, so that's been kind of the new Uh, social thing is to kind of walk distance with people you know with masks on uh, uh, whatever small group that you're kind of in your pod with and that's the only thing that's really available to you is to you know get out and do that which which has been okay I mean that that part I've actually liked you know kind of taking these long walks and getting out into nature and really giving myself a little more time to enjoy that where I was so wrapped up and busy in things that, you know, that was one thing that, that I didn't do. So that's a really, a really good suggestion. Um, But yeah, it's been, I'm sure it's been a challenge for you as well to, to try to deal with all this and, and move forward, you know, especially going into a new year and just with so much turbulence and uncertainty with what's going on. So I'm sure you've got, you've got your hands full with people. I mean, has it has it been a challenge? It has been. It's been
1: an interesting challenge. Uh, but I guess I'm looking at it also from the perspective of it's been a welcome challenge for us to really delve into a space where we wouldn't normally because of the external distractions that we have. And I know for right. myself, that's what I have done. I have taken more time out to investigate my inner self on a deeper level because we're all growing, right? It just depends on how much you feel you want to grow and how deep you want to go into those areas. So for myself, it was delving into my own intuitive space. I was out in nature and being in the creative space, so doing drawing or cooking a really nice meal or using elements that are maybe under your control a little more. Um things that can bring you joy, that can make you laugh, and that can change your emotional state because mental health is so prevalent with everything that's going on and maybe a natural cause of being sad or depressed or anxious because we don't know what's happening. But in the same token, it can physically and emotionally take such a toll on you so when you transition the emotion into a positive one, the outcome of how you feel, which is all we, that we can control, because we can't control how others feel, is all that we really have, which is a really powerful tool in itself.
0: Right, just bringing yourself to that realization that, you know, look, I can only control what I can control. I can only, right. you know, deal with what's happening right now in this present moment. And something that hasn't even happened yet six months down the road or, or whatever, you know, that that's what causes you so much pain. And, and also Mm -hmm. like the, the craving and the desire to, you know, wish that things were different, you know, I mean, I've definitely have been dealing with that myself just this year, you know, and trying not to be depressed and, you know, falling into the, that spiral. So it, it can be tough. I mean, one of the things that you offered, um, I think I had this on your website or you might have sent it to me separately was that you offer people a gratitude journal, which I thought was so nice asking people to kind of, you know, write something down every day and see what you're grateful for. And and sometimes it's easy to let that slip. Like, oh, you know, what what should I be grateful for right now? You know, things are are so challenging. And how does that work in your life? I mean, do you try to start the day with a thought of something that you're grateful for? Absolutely. So the gratitude
1: journal came out of my own practice um, of how I can live more presently and be more in my own space of control of my life to a certain degree. So the gratitude journal offers three gratifications that you have in the morning, soon as you wake up, because that will set you up for the day of how you want your day to unfold. And when we do it with a specific intention of how I want that to feel, Um, tacked onto an affirmation, it adds more substance into who you are and what you want this day to look like. And then I finish the day with a gratitude as well. So again, going into a space of what have I been grateful for today? Who have I talked to? Who have what are some of the engagements or some of the really sweet things that have happened that made me smile or made my heart warm and record those. And then I feel that when you're resting, when we're sleeping, that puts you in a much more positive energetic space rather than watching the nightly news and then going to bed Um, can put you in a very different space.
0: Right, I usually try to watch Jeopardy before I do okay. I go to sleep. <laughs> I, and try not to do yeah. the news, you know because it's it's just too much and and especially lately, right. but I like the idea of establishing you know a, a gratitude practice and kind of bringing that to the forefront, and the gratitude journal that you have is a really a nice way to do that um I mean you also encourage meditation or do you have a meditation practice of your own that that you work with um i have my own
1: like my own meditation where typically i would just put my hands on my heart and just feel the beat of my heart and feel the energy and the 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 heat possibly that comes from my hands and have that permeate into my heart and have a sense of knowing that you're taken care of, knowing that you are loved and everything will work out as it needs to work out, all in divine timing, mm-hmm. as, as I would say. Um, so the meditation piece is more just sitting in stillness and maybe mm-hmm. observing the thoughts, but more so just being in tune with your own rhythm, be it your breath, Albeit your heartbeat and tune into that, because that's going to be the life force of what really governs you and moves you forward in how you interact day in, day out.
0: Right. I, I try to, I like the idea of the, the affirmation and then just kind of, you know, falling into your breath a little bit to, yep. you know, calm yourself down and, and maybe do it for, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes. Uh, how, however long that you can, you know, and just do that on a regular basis. And I have an affirmation that I learned from Louise Hay when I worked with her. And, you know, I all the time, all is well. Everything's working out for my greater good. Out of this situation, only good will come. I am safe. And I say that over and over. And, you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I believe it, sometimes I don't. Yeah. Uh, but it does kind of tend to calm me down a little bit. Um, and what about prayer? Do you ever, do you ever do that? I mean, I've been having a hard time with, with prayer as well. I get maybe I'm, I'm seeming too cynical today. And I'm sorry, I'm sure it's got to do with, you know, what's going on around me at the moment. But um, I, I would always try to do, you know, some kind of prayer. And I don't know, I mean, lately, I've been feeling like no one's listening, but hopefully that will change what what do you think? Do you ever do you ever pray?
1: Um, I guess it really depends on your definition of prayer. One of the other, I guess, from my perspective, is who we pray to. Um, right. And if we pray to an external entity, God, divine, like you know, one of the deities or anything, then it brings on to it brings me onto a, a greater question of. We're all, we all come from the same aspects of it.
0: So we're, we are mm. it. That's interesting. So would you say that that peace, rather than praying to an external God or deity, would be within us, the divine would be within us?
1: Absolutely. Because we like have that. the power. We have the wisdom. We just forgot it because we're living this thing called life
0: right <laughs> it's crazy it's i've game. i've felt like that a lot you know over over the past year and and certainly certainly recently um but i do i do feel that there is a divine presence within all people i try to recognize it in in others even though sometimes that's difficult but I think it's a place that, that we really need to get to. So uh, we've got a few minutes left of the show. It's been so fun to talk with you about this kind of stuff. I love it. And I just I wanted to ask you a little bit about your podcast. So it's called Master of Your Craft. Is that right? Or is it Mastering Your Craft? It's Master of Your Craft. Because I and feel we're...
1: with an S at the end of craft, because I feel many people will have different crafts and talents and skills as, a, as we evolve as beings, right?
0: So, Oh, I like that. So it's master of your crafts, plural. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes. Got it. Yes. So we do, you know, everybody has more than one talent, right? We have more gifts that we can share. So on your show, you just uh, talk with people and interview people about what their talents and gifts are, or, you know, what message that you're, that they're trying to share to the world. That's right. Yes. It's, how, do you, how were they able to uncover that as
1: a craft? And many of them have all, all said that they don't feel they have mastered it. So that's kind of my version or my perspective of seeing them in the light that they have mastered it. But it's a craft that they have developed and harnessed and really polished to something that they share with the world, be it a yoga instructor, or be it a film documentary maker, or an artist, or a musician. It's something that they have, they ultimately become somewhat of a different person when they're in that mastery of that craft. So I interviewed them out of curious and get some deep conversation going of, what was it that nudged them into that area of life? some of the hurdles that they had to go through to get there.
0: Right. I love hearing people's stories about, that's why I was curious to hear your story of, you know, what nudged you into this direction, you know, what told you that, you know this is what i'd like to do i'd like to work with people you know helping them to bring their best selves forward you know as a spiritual intuitive and a life coach you know when i'm sure like you said your parents would have been happy if oh i'm going to be a doctor or yeah. a professor or go into, you know something else a lawyer you know they probably would have loved yeah. that <laughs> and then when you yeah. said no oh, i'm gonna do this you know well what's that um yeah. so i think i think that's interesting I- And, and you're right, like people that whatever you do, you want to do it well. And I remember just starting out in radio, I was working at a record store in high school, and I would go on the microphone at the end of the day and say, attention, peaches shoppers, please bring your purchases to the front counter. And everyone would say, Oh, your voice sounds so great. Make sure you do the closing announcement every day. And I I never thought that my voice sounded good. (laughs) But it was only when I was you know, saying that we're closing the record store that I thought, oh, well, maybe I could do that. And and then I started just kind of volunteering at a, a local, it was a, a community radio station, like anybody could really do a show if you wanted to. And that was kind of how how it started, because I always loved music. Yeah. And so I went kind of went in that direction. But it was funny where the spark was really someone saying, oh, you, your voice is nice making the announcement to close the store, you know, <laughs> like, nice. so... You never know how these things kind of will will grow and evolve. And then now it's like, you know, I don't even want to say how many years later. But I always feel that I can do better. That's true. You know, sometimes yep. you'll be talking to someone or doing a show and you go, wow, that, that just bombed. <laughs> and then other times you'll say, yeah. oh, that went great. You know, so I think that we're always striving to be the best that we can be in whatever whatever we choose, or at least I, I hope that I can always improve and do better moving forward. I'm sure a Absolutely. lot of people think the same. So Naranja, tell us what you're going to be working on, you know, as the year progresses. I mean, you had a 20 week one-on-one coaching program that you were offering on your website. Do you have any other projects that you're going to be doing? Some other online courses or programs? So the 21 20-week pro- 20 program is more of a deep dive of really
1: uncovering what's plaguing individuals to, um, to get to their soul self. The other aspects, the other programs is uh, a meditation that I offer, a collective group meditation, a small group. And then I also do group coaching as well. Um, again, a very intimate small group for individuals who might be a little sheepish on wanting to go one-on-one, um, but want to be part of a community. Um, the other element is a group. Um, I have a, a couple of other coaches who are South Asian and working with them in uncovering and supporting individuals of the South Asian community who are challenged with the belief systems of various cultures um, that are not supporting them in that. So we're building a 12-week program to be able to give them the tools and give them the guidance to,
0: to move forward. And do you work with people mostly on Zoom now or on the phone? Yeah, it's all through Zoom. Um,
1: but ironically, my intention when I transitioned into this into this work was all through Zoom, anyways. So that was my intention was for it all to be online.
0: Yeah. Okay, so that wasn't that wasn't a big shift because you you were doing that That's anyway. Right. And if people want to get a hold of you, is the best place to go is brightshininglight.com? dot com. Absolutely, yes, and they
1: are welcome to book a complimentary coaching session just to get a feel and see for a good fit to work together and if I can support them with what they're seeking I offer that as well
0: well I urge any listeners out there if you're looking for someone to work with and you would like a, a lovely gentle supportive presence which I feel that Naranjan is then definitely get in touch with her at brightshininglight.com and excavate your best self the divine within and it's been so nice to chat with you naranja and thank you for joining me today thank you Diane. thank you for listening this is unity online radio the voice of an awakening world. We talk to the animals, and we know you can too, on the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Karen Deddy smith and Meredith Tolleson. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As Soul Level Animal Communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the MindBodySpirit.fm
1: podcast network.